This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets are back on Merseyside, hoping to get some more points from our friends in Liverpool. This is a Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Known and Ever podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and I have got my act together and I'm back in the fold. I've been skiving for a couple of weeks really and I've been having to leave the podcast in the very capable hands of my colleagues Tom and Rich, both of whom are joining me this evening. Richard, Tom, you can get your hands off my hosting job, I'm back. Cheers Natalie, you're welcome to it. You make it <laughs> a lot easier than it actually is to tell you that. Yeah, it's just, it's just nice to enjoy a podcast without having to think too much about what the next question is. It is genuinely quite Quite stressful. I always think that sometimes whenever we do um, podcasts for other fan sites and we sort of like guest on their shows, it's actually quite nice just to sit back and be asked the questions and not have to think and react. But, but you know, somebody's got to do it. We've got to produce something for our listeners. So, uh, but all joking aside, thanks for stepping in the last two weeks. Thought you did a sterling job. Very much enjoyed the chats that you had uh, with the various ups and downs of being a claret. My God, this season's going to be the death of me. Um, Rich, let's start with you and I'm going to dive straight in there with the most important thing before we dissect that amazing win at Goodison. Table, still in 15th, but seven points clear of the drop. I am calling this now. I think we are safe. Yeah, it's done and dusted, in my opinion. Um, As I said on the podcast last week, even before the Everton game, I I was confident in in the team. I thought I was playing well enough. Um, Yeah, but it was a fantastic victory. And I think that that win, it just takes a little bit of pressure off because if we didn't get a win in the next few games, we could have got drawn into it. But yeah, it was fantastic performance, both attacking-wise, defensive-wise. And I think we, we, we can start looking up a little bit, can't we? We're... Are we one point behind? I think we're same points as Southampton and we've got them yeah, next. I think we're two points behind Wolves. Yeah. We're not two points behind Leeds, considering they've got the best manager and the best team that's ever lived in football. <laughs> um so yeah, we're you know, we're not doing too bad. So yeah, hopefully we can start looking upwards with you know, with the remaining games of the season. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think I tweeted something like that. It's quite, it's quite rare for me to start seeing the, the positive side of things because I'm always, until it's mathematically impossible for us to go down, I'm usually absolutely cacking it and thinking that we're going to go down. But yeah, you're right. So at the moment, we're on 33 points, same as Southampton. And actually, we're on the same, blimey, we're on the same goal difference as well. It's just they've scored a hell of a lot more goals than we have, surprisingly. Wolves are just two points above us. Now, Leeds are only three points above us, but they have got a game in hand. Um, but yeah, they've not been playing that well they've had I think they've had three three defeats in the last five games so if you look at this uh, Tom and I keep saying this to people some of my colleagues at work I'll, I'll turn around to them without talking about the, the table and say like like you know how do you how do you think Southampton have done this season I'm like oh yeah yeah they've had a great season and then you'll say okay well how how good a season do you think Burnley have I said oh you've struggled this year and then you say to them we're on the same points with the same games it's just we've talked about this before it's that perception isn't it that of certain teams and the way they're playing. But if we can, I think Rich is absolutely right. I think we need to be looking up the table now, not down. Yeah, it's an interesting one. One that I hear quite a lot is, you know, they say, oh, Burnley, they're, you know, they're down there every season and they keep their heads above water. If you look at two of the last three seasons, we've been in the top half. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not often that we are sort of down struggling, you'd say, on recent seasons. So, yeah, I think the perception of us is that we're always down there, we're always, you know, there or thereabouts near the bottom and you're right really the, the form that we've been in we've not lost many games recently we're picking up points we're not won that many either but the form that we're in yeah at the minute we can justifiably be looking up instead of down yeah. we're better at picking up points than the teams that are down there like Brighton, Fulham, Newcastle and like you say the, I, don't, I don't think if you asked any of us like a few weeks ago we're not even looking at Southampton Wolves leads but we've played we've put ourselves in that position where now we can go for that and we all said you know the last four games difficult ones let's just get through these and then we've got winnable fixtures coming up and you know we've put ourselves in a good position leading up to those winnable fixtures and I think we've got Southampton Wolves and Leeds all to play in the next few weeks so if we can pick up some results against them yeah justifiably we can be looking up instead of down definitely I can almost hear Rich raging that me and Tom have started this podcast talking about our, um, uh, what's it called, our reputation in the press. Rich, you don't care about that, do you? You're just like, ah, they can say what they want about us. We don't care. You know me, I get well wound up about it. Well wound up. No, I couldn't give a flying um, so <laughs> and so. <laughs> don't, I generally don't. don't I, no, I'll keep it. I'll, I'll keep it PG. <laughs> They're known and ever listeners. But no, I, I don't know. I'm just, it, it's never bothered me. If I'm being honest, I'm. I actually think, in a way, the negative press. Oh, don't get me. We don't get all negative press, you know. But if I think overall, the negative press we've had over the years has actually helped us because even all these years on of us being in the Premier League, people still underestimate us, and it's still a massive, massive shock to other teams um, when they lose to Little or Burnley. So yeah, it doesn't bother me personally. It, it is nice. I can't lie. You know, I thought. When Ancelotti praised Dijic, he plays Bur- you know, he praised Burnley, which was nice to hear. But I think it just shows somebody of his stature who actually knows football, knows we're not too bad of a team. So I wouldn't get too. This is probably why I don't get too um, disheartened by it, and just keep doing what we're doing. And you know, and it's um, I quite enjoy seeing other fans get salty. What I will say about Everton though is I I didn't see. And I'm kind of quite involved with with, with with Everton, as I mentioned to Tom on the podcast last week. I didn't see many fans coming on, having a pop at Burnley, having a go at us. I think literally every single Everton fan 
I saw on on Twitter was actually complimentary of us and said we deserve to win. And I think it shows a proper football club. Mm. You actually know football inside out. Um, I'll not mention other clubs, but I think that kind of is t- is testament to them as a club. So, but yeah, it doesn't bother me. But it is nice to get praise and yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I did. I did see a few articles. I think they did get a bit salty. That were a bit like, "Oh, it's pathetic." You know, you know that you know the football they're going to play. You know the hoofball they're going to play, and you know our inability to break down teams that just park the bus. And I'm like, "Hang on a minute." If there's one thing that you can't say about us is that we park the bus on Saturday. Um, which brings me, I guess, quite nicely, Tom, on to where we start with that game of the weekend. Um, we've been saying for it. Well, actually, no, we haven't been saying. I've been concerned about this but everybody's been saying for ages that Burnley have got the ability to pull that result out unexpected results out all the time um, but for me it was just more the performance like they set off at 100 mile an hour and so many articles that I've read have been saying that the football that we played would, was just not the football that you're used to seeing from Burnley but it really was it was like a massively entertaining game I loved it yeah, the performance, probably the best performance of the season, I would say, for me. Uh, the football that we played was fantastic. Uh, sharp. Uh, the, the passing triangles and the one-touch passing, I don't think we've seen that all season. Um, the, McNeil and uh, Goodmanson drifting in at just the right times. Westwood and Brownhill played a lot further up the pitch than you normally see them. You know, We've seen it in some of the previous games, the high press working from a defensive point of view, like the Arsenal goal, obviously pressing high. But they seem to be pressing up high as well when we were in possession. And it really it, it really worked. I think it really caught Everton out. Obviously, they were expecting a long ball bombardment. It didn't work out like that at all. We, we absolutely played through that midfield. I think the fact that they were missing Decore and Rodriguez was a big kind of opportunity for us. And, and we, we really took it. Decore was a big miss for them, I think. That Alan mm-hmm. didn't get in the game at all. Uh, passed it around them, played some really neat little triangles, really neat football. The press was fantastic. Every single one in the midfield had about as good a game as I've seen them have this season. Especially McNeil, I thought he was fantastic. And yeah, it was just really, really good football to watch, especially the first half, really entertaining. I thought 2-1 massively flattered Everton at half-time and and a deserved victory. And it's it's great not just to, like you say, to pull one of these wins out of the bag. And we've had some big wins this season. We had a bit of a smash and grab at Liverpool. There was a bit of a smash and grab at Arsenal. But, that was a win. We didn't just get three points. We thoroughly earned three points and we played one of the one of the better teams in the league as well. So, yeah, really, really uh, good to see and, and what a fantastic time to do it as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I did get a little bit worried, Rich, when this, when their goal went in and he suddenly got punched, especially before half-time as well, because it just felt a bit, a bit deflating, especially as we had so many chances to um, put the game to bed. I think Gunmanson and Vidra both had like golden chances. And it's one of those where you think if it had gone 3-0, it would have been just an absolutely amazing result. Yeah, as I've said before, I'm I'm quite a neurotic personality. Um, so the last, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I think in a nice way though, without being completely mental. Um, but but yeah, the la- as the game went on, I started sat back in the couch, and by the last ten minutes, I was actually like stood up, yeah. and I didn't sit down again. And what and if you look back on reflection of actually the the, the second half. I think Calvert-Lewin had a really good chance just before 50 minutes, which he should have scored. But then after that, again, if I watched it back without the same nerves, we we were actually really comfortable um, and and defended really well. I think Tom made, it was definitely, in my opinion, our best performance of the season. Obviously, Palace, we won 3-0, but I thought they were actually that bad. 
you know, they made us look probably really, really good. But I would say Everton's a very good side. Probably completely dominated the game. And just what was going on at the back of my head was, because we didn't get that third goal, even in the second half, we were still creating the better chances for Everton. He's still thinking, last 10 minutes, are they just going to grab one from a set piece or a cross or something like that? But when you actually, like, you know, look back on the game, when you've when those like nerves and that anxiousness has left you, I thought, yeah, we, we just completely dominated the whole game. Mm. I thought if if we won 4 or 5 one, nobody could have complained. It was an absolutely superb performance from, you know, um, you know, from minute one to the last minute with absolutely magnificent football in between. And I think that Dwight McNeil goal absolutely just, you know, put the cherry on on the cake. And, you know, like I said, I've been back teaching this week. I think I've shown my students that goal about seven or eight times. <laughs> this is your starter at, at, at of it. Analyse the technique of this goal. So it's there just been are. an excuse for me to show it. So, yeah, fully agree with what Tom was saying. Yeah, I mean, McNeil, I, I kind of feel sorry for Matty Lawton, to be honest, because I think up until Saturday, he, he'd absolutely bagged goal of the season for that Brazilian flair against, I can't remember who it was against. Um, was it Palace? No, it was, I can't remember, who was it? Yeah, it was Palace, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Palace. God, I'm getting old. My brain's disintegrating on a rapid basis. Um, but that that goal of his was was just something else. I mean, Tom, we say this a lot, don't we? But if that goal is scored by anybody in the top six or even some of the, or even like a Leeds, God, can you imagine if a Leeds player would have scored that? My Lord. And it, and again, it's just, it's not been in the press as much as it should be. And now I can't quite remember mind up whether that's a really good thing for us or a really bad thing for us, because as much as you want your team to get loaded and get out of this negative, oh, barely a dinosaurs, we also don't want the spotlight on McNeil too much because it'd be like, see ya, I'm off in the summer. Um, but I think that a goal like that just needs shouting from the rafters, doesn't it? Surely. Yeah, I've been sporting in recent weeks, haven't we? Loading at Palace, like you say. And then obviously that superb goal from Wood against Arsenal last week. We mm. flooded with goal of the season contenders at the minute. Um, yeah, I think Rich made a really good point earlier about you know the, the fact that we are underestimated sometimes in the press and the quality of some of our players is underestimated. Um, you know, how have we still got players like Pope, Tarkovsky and McNeil. I, I think that does play into it quite a lot, is that we are seen as unfashionable. So if you're going to take the positives out of the fact that he's perhaps not talked about as much as, you know, a player like, uh, you know, let's, for example, Hudson Adoy. I've never seen Hudson Adoy score a goal like that, but, you know, he's, he's talked about a lot more for England and, and things like that. Um, and if, you know, obviously he's playing for one of the top clubs and that's perhaps why, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, fantastic, superb goal. Um, and, to, to be felt that maybe one one thing that I would say is that his form hasn't been as good this season as we've seen, especially last season. I think it was probably his best season to date. I think a lot of the reason for that is the fact that he plays every minute of every game. He's a young lad. He's got a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on his shoulders because he is our main creative outlet. And we are a team that perhaps isn't one that always encourages creative players to shine. Um, he's got to do a lot of, uh, of off-the-ball work, a lot of tracking back. Sometimes he's he's forced to stay out wide probably a little bit more than he would like. Um, but, you know, we've all seen flashes of that ability even this season. And and as I said earlier, I think that was his best game this season. He was fantastic. And I think if he does keep playing like that, coupled with the fact that he's in the England under 21 squad now for the Euros, uh, we are going to have people knocking on the door and, and putting big bids in for him sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, while we'd be sad to see him go, uh, I think he's, he's starting to show now that he really is capable of doing it 
week in, week out at, uh, at a team that perhaps will give him a little bit more creative license. Mm, that's true. Yeah, I saw that today that he'd made the squad for the under-21s. Do you think it's been a bit, not robbed as such, Rich, but do you think it feels a little bit disrespectful that he's still being confined to the under-21s when there's some of his peers who some uh, potentially similar talents who are being fast-tracked to the full senior squad? No, I think he's right where he is. I think overall this season, he's not been at his best. I don't listen, and I'm not. He's 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 been very very difficult for him. He's been played, he's been made to have a lot. Uh, sorry, he's he's played a lot of football. I think you see him when he had that little break and when he come back into the time into the side, he was better. So uh, uh, at the moment, I, I'll put it back on you, Natalie. Who, who does he get in, into the squad ahead of? Does he get ahead of Rashford, Sancho, Harvey Barnes? No, nope. Grealish. Nope, so, I, no, I, I no, I agree. Yeah, I wasn't. So, it, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't me suggesting that he should be in there. It was just yeah, of course. Asking question. Yeah, no, I. I, I no, agree so, more. Yeah, I think he's in the right place. I, and I personally don't think he's ready for a move. I think he could go to a a, a bigger club. I'm putting that in, whatever you call it. Yeah, I can quotation. see him on video. He's putting it on the yeah. quotation marks. Listeners, don't. Worry. Yeah, or bigger <laughs> club. As I'm saying that, um, I honestly still think he'd he'd be better going another year for for Burnley. There's yeah. been games this season where. You, you wouldn't know he's playing, unfortunately. But when you see him on Saturday and the way he was and the way he was against Liverpool away from home, he's got absolutely everything. He's, you know, he's, he's got just enough pace. He's got a fantastic touch. He can beat players. He's got a fantastic left foot. Great crossing him. Great, great, great strike. But, uh, but, I, but I still think he needs to do it more consistently game after game. One thing that does massively help him, and I've been saying this in our, in our WhatsApp group, when Gunmanson starts... And um and when he plays on the right wing midfield and we've got our team looks so much better. Yeah, it does. We've got so much balance to it. And, you know, plus the fact that Goodman's is a very, very good player. I think it helps McNeil as well because he probably feels the pressure's gone off him. Yeah. Um, you know, so in my opinion, just keep what he's doing. Hopefully we'll see him have because we've not got as many week games, uh midweek games, sorry. I think you'll see him be at his best more often and hopefully he can have a good run in, have a good under 21s. Mm. And at the end of the day, what I would say is if he does leave in the summer, I think we'll be demanding a very, very large transfer fee. But I think he seems a very level headed young man. Um without name dropping too much, I have spoken to his dad on a few occasions. Um, yeah. <laughs> Want me to go into why without sounding too boring. Yes. I can not give doing. you a reason. No, all it is, so quite often I, I, I do these football tours and when you take the kids to the, you know, these football teams come over yeah. uh, from different locations, they sit in a family area where all the parents are. Oh, so yeah. I've, I've, I've just ended up speaking to him um, quite quite a bit. Can imagine Rich um, chewing his ear off. <laughs> yeah, or just absolutely pestering him, being an absolute stalker. Um, yeah, I can't, I'm not saying I've been cool or anything, but... Um, <laughs> So shout out, Mr. McNeil, if you're listening. It's Richard from LLS Yartars. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, he's, you know, his dad has said that he absolutely loves it at Burnley. You know, he, he really, you know, he, he works well with the manager and everything. And they seem like a level-headed group of people. And, and um, I think it would do him another, you know, good to at least have another year. That was a really long-winded answer. No, I'm it was sorry. good. I liked it. It's good. I think one thing that surprised me with McNeil, Rich, uh, when I saw his post-match interview um, and he was talking about his goal and he, he said that 
the, the players in the team had been encouraging him to keep striking, uh, keep shooting more because he scores a lot of goals in training. And I don't know. And he said, oh, it gives me a lot of confidence knowing that my team behind me think that I can do it. And it just, I read that as him maybe having a little bit of, not lacking in confidence in the sense he doesn't think he can do what he can do, but more just he's still quite young yet and doesn't see himself on that same level as, as the players, of his peers around him or, or Premier League levels. And that's going to work in our favour, surely, because it, it can stay with us if he doesn't think that he's yet the finished article. Yeah, I think it shows his mentality that he actually wants to keep working and, and keeps wanting to, to improve. I think he, he he knows that he's at the very, very start of his career and he's, and he's got more to go, but he's got a fantastic left foot. Oh, God. Um, you know, he, seems, he scored a, a great goal against Bournemouth last season. Um, you know, one of the last games before fans weren't allowed in the ground when we won three 0 and he was superb that game. He scored a he scored a good goal. I think he was actually on this day two years ago because it came on up on my Facebook against Leicester when we lost two one. Um, the ball was cut back to him and, and, and he scored a great finish. Again, this is how sad I am. I remember <laughs> stuff that's gone on two years hey, ago. Whatever you um, need, Rich. Whatever you need. But yeah. I think you can definitely, you know, I think I was listening to Match of the Day and I thought Alan Shearer was actually very, very complimentary of Burnley. He was very complimentary of, of the way we played, of, of the way McNeil played. And he's, but he was right, though. Somebody of, of his talent, I think, could score more goals. But again, like Tom said, it all comes, some, sometimes it comes down to the team that you're in. How, you know, sometimes we, half of the time, he probably does more work running back, which isn't his forte. So yeah, hopefully for the running for the for the season, if if you can, hopefully that game's give him a, a real confidence boost, and we can see a, the best of you know of, of McNeil for the remaining games because we are a, a miles better team when he's on yeah. top form. Yeah, I hope they all get some rest actually. To be honest, because by the time this three week breaks finish that we've got now coming up, we've got a really jam packed. I think the last ten games are and nine games are just like really back to back. Um. Tom, for me, another player who had, I think, probably his game of the season uh, was Matty Vidra. I thought he was absolutely outstanding at the weekend and I would have loved for him to cap it off with a goal. But actually, it just didn't matter to me that he didn't score. I thought, I just thought he was, I, I think actually he probably um, slightly, I think he, if he'd have stayed on the pitch, I think he probably would have been in contention for man of the match over McNeil. Yeah, probably just the one thing that we are missing from him at the minute is goals. I'm thinking of the one in the second half. He cut inside the defender superbly, did, did everything right in the hard bit, and then he finishes straight down the keeper's throat. It was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. Um, he took it, the one goal he has scored this season against Leicester. He took that superbly well, so we know he's got it in him. Um, but I think that's the only thing sort of holding him back at the minute. He probably needs a bit of a runner scoring three or four because we've never really seen that from him. But no, you're right, in terms of his all round play. I think he does make a big difference because he's got that. He's got something that the other centre forwards don't got, which I don't have. Sorry, which is a bit more mobility. He can play on the shoulder. He, he can turn a bit quicker. He's obviously got that kind of low centre of gravity. He's got a bit more pace. Um, and I think uh, one thing I would say about him as well, I think he's really underrated back to goal. You know, for a, ch- a fellow of his height, when he gets these balls, sometimes obviously we are still playing the long, the long pass out of defence. And when he does get them, he'll, he'll challenge the header. He wins a lot yeah. more than you expect him to. And I think the, his ability to sort of take it on the chest and keep hold of it with a defender right, right up, up behind him is really impressive, actually. So, yeah, I think he, he's got a lot of the attributes you need to play centre forward for our team. And I think he, he does, he does, I think he's more of an option for, a, you know, a slip in a pass through, a slide rule ball, 
looking to play one around the corner than uh, than the other centre forwards are because he's that much more mobile. And him and Wood look to be developing a really good partnership. It'll be interesting to see if they play four, you know, the next four or five games together. It'll be really interesting to see if that continues and they and they keep improving together because that does look like a, a good partnership as it stands. That was literally the next point that I had on to come on to with that Tom. So nice link, very see. Host a couple of podcasts turns into an absolute pro. I love it. Um, but yeah, no, it's true. I mean, a lot of people, I, I don't understand. Chris Wood seems to split the Clarets camp so badly. Some people who think he's a waste of space. Some people seem to have this ridiculous problem with him always being offside, but they can't. Can I come on to this? Oh, yes, go ahead. Because I feel quite strongly about this because okay. I've been critical go. of Wood in the past. I've, I think people get too drawn in with it being personal. And I'm going to say Wood was absolutely diabolical, in my opinion, before Christmas. I'm going to say I thought he was shocking. Okay. And that's a strong opinion. That is a strong I opinion. I think the last... But it, but it's true, he couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. Is that the saying? I don't know if I've got it wrong. His first touch was absolutely dreadful. It was pinging off him like his feet were full of concrete. And he looked slower than me after a night out. But then... <laughs> lost it. Since he's... <laughs> But then since he's come back from injury, he's yeah, looked like look he's good. he's been absolutely out he's he's been outstanding. So maybe I've been made to eat humble pie, I'm not sure. But I think it's right that as a fan, you're able to criticise a player when they're not playing yeah, well. I agree. But also give him praise when they are playing well. And I think that sums up Wood perfectly. So I think before he's had this latest injury, I think overall he was very, very poor. I can't deny that. And sometimes I, I, I was getting sick of watching him. Yeah. And then that's a, then that's a big opinion because, but recently he looks strong. He looks fit. He's holding the ball up. His passing's good. Yeah. I feel like he's going to score. And it's like the wood of old. And I bet if you ask Wood himself deep down, he would say he was. You know what? I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I see. So that's just that's just my opinion of it. And people say he splits the fan base. You know, there may be some people who kind of still say he's not playing well, which is fair enough. But in my opinion, I think there's times where, and this is probably the reason why he's playing for Burnley, not a bigger club, because there's times where he looks absolutely shocking and there's times where he looks brilliant. Yeah. Recently, he's been brilliant before he's been shocking. Again, people may disagree with me, but this is why they come on and, and that's fair enough. So yeah, I'm, I think, I think yeah, some that's of this... just my opinion. I think some of it is, um, I don't necessarily put you in this category of fan, Rich, because I know you you are a sensible fan and, and obviously we are exposed to a lot more of your uh, messages, the good, the bad and the hyperbole. <laughs> but we all are. Honestly, listen, one day I'm going to release some screenshots of our group message because there's all of us in our in the team known and ever have all got really like massive ability to flare up and come out with some right... Uh, rubbish and Tom is the constant throughout the entire one Tom's always the one that's just like oh for the love of God will you all calm down and it's like the good and the bad um so but I don't necessarily despite that Rich I don't necessarily put you in in that fan because you are you are very capable of being critical with players when they deserve it and you're right Chris Wood was appalling before Christmas um but then obviously giving them the praise they need when it's done but there are some fans that that and this is the divisive ones that I talk about, who no matter how well Chris Wood is playing, they've just got no time for him. And we all sit near that person at turf who says that every single game. Um, but Tom, for me, I just think even even a Chris Wood that's not having a particularly good game changes the structure of the team and we just look better with him in there with somebody playing alongside him. 
yeah, I think that side of his game has improved massively in the last couple of seasons. He's uh, he's bulked up a bit. He's a much better back to goal player, a better link player. I, I dare I say as well, I don't want to jinx it, but the last few weeks he doesn't seem to be getting caught offside as often as well. Uh oh! <laughs> I don't know if that's because we've got Vidra, who's sort of the aim of these three balls now, or if uh, if he's just starting learning to time his runs a bit better. But uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with Rich in that I don't think he was having his best season. You know, the best form of the season for him has definitely been the last few weeks. But the, you know, he's been our top scorer for the whole season, and and I think that is because he is our best striker. Um, I think he's. I think he's got a bit more about him um, in terms of finishing than the rest of them. Uh, I think he's a bit more consistent than the rest of them as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, for me, I, I, he would be the first, the first name there. You, you, for me, you're picking someone to play alongside him at yeah. the minute. Vidra got that shit, but uh, yeah, I, I'd always want Wood to play through it personally because I think he, he he's the the best centre forward we've had since we've been in the Premier League. For me, could not agree more. Um... Considering the, the how eventful the game was, certainly in terms of, of chances and beautiful play, there wasn't it wasn't that incident packed in terms of of talking points. But there was one um, rich quite early on that was could have seen us very um, you know score even earlier than we did, and that was of course the handball. Another game, another handball shout. This time bounced off Godfrey's arm. Looked to me like an absolute stormball penalty. I'm not really sure how it was wasn't given. Uh, me and Tom were talking about this while we were waiting for you to get your act together and get on the the, the recording tonight. Um, and I was saying, the, I think the only reason why I'm not absolutely raging about it is because we kind of got away with one last week against Arsenal and the one that was given. Um, and yeah, I mean the Godfrey handball, penalty or not penalty, consistency. What what's going on with the decisions this year? What's handball? I've no idea. I genuinely don't know what it is. Like, you know, we go back to my lads, Fulham. They get a goal disallowed when somebody smashes. I'm like, I know. I just want to see Tom (laughs) smile when I say say that. Um, Us having video for this recording has turned out to be a really bad thing. (laughs) I get distracted. Um, But yeah, again, it's just, you know, Fulham get one where uh, I think it's Davinson Sajed literally smashes it against one of the Fulham players. It just it, it, it's his arm and then a goal gets disallowed and the rules change 24 hours later. And then got like you go back to the Peters one last week for me, which in my opinion was a blatant handball. Yeah. Um, and then that, me's gone up for an header. He's going to win the header. Got a good chance of scoring. Godfrey's gone up with his arm and it's just like, and, 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 and instead of heading it, he's handballed it. It's just an absolute stonewaller. Yeah, I mean, like, I just go back to VAR again. I don't know if any of you two seen it. Phil, going back to what Dice says about diving, Phil Folden goes round the keeper, gets absolutely nailed in his ankle because he doesn't go down. It, the penalty doesn't get given. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just feel like you know we come on this podcast a lot, and there's always an incident with VAR where you just like how even with the technology, these decisions aren't being given. Thankfully for us, we scored literally a couple of minutes later. But let's say we didn't get that penalty, McNeil doesn't score a scream, and it's one all. Yeah, you're like, what's, so what's that about? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you would be annoyed. So, yeah, to me, in my opinion, it was an absolute stonewall penalty. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Tom, you wanted to raise, there was a second one as well, which I don't I don't think I remember this one, actually. Um, a Brownhill shot in the first half, which you thought was a penalty as well. Well, I, I'm surprised it's not been talked about as much as, as the other one. I, I, I would say the first one was more, more clear cut. So, you, you, I think the only way you could say that wasn't a penalty is if, 
you say that Mee's fouling him, which would have been a bit soft, but like I say, we don't know what, what they're given for and what they aren't given for. You say it seems to be random. But the, the thing that made me think about it was the Arsenal game. <clears throat> you know, we had the Peters one. <clears throat> excuse me, debatable. Was it a penalty or was it not? But there was the, the incident a few minutes later when Peters shoulders it over the bar. The ref couldn't wait to run over with a red card. Yeah. And to me, he was thinking there that that was influenced by the fact that he, he, he was thinking maybe I've missed one earlier on. So I think he was looking to make that up with that decision. Now, there was this, there was this moment. So the ball gets cut back to Brownhill on the edge of the box. We did that quite a lot in the first half as well. And he hits the shot. And the defender's arm, now, it's out to me. It's away from his body. It's not yeah. that far yeah. away from his body. And he's only blocking it. He's only a yard or two away. But to me, he's stopped a goal-bound shot with an arm that's not in the silhouette. Yeah. Now, I was, well, I wasn't surprised because the ref was John Moss and he doesn't have a clue what he's doing. But if I would, I would have thought that the ref, that it might have been a similar mindset for the referee in that he's thinking, well, I might have missed one earlier. I'll give this one and I'll see if the AR overturn it, if it's clear and obviously wrong. And I think if he gives a penalty for that with his arm being out and it's stopping a goal-bound shot, then if the AR looks at that, they don't overturn that. And I'm yeah, a bit surprised yeah. that, especially with the first one being fairly obvious and not being given, I'm a bit surprised that it nothing was really made of that. And I think the defender is a bit fortunate that perhaps he's got the same argument as Peter's had last week, where it is the proximity that saved him and nothing else. Uh, yeah, again, it's it comes down to what is on ball and what isn't. But I thought it was all about the silhouette, in which case you can make a case for that being a penalty easily. And I, it seems to have been talked about much after the game. No, and I think I wonder whether one of the reasons why it's just things are not being talked about so much is, is, is as you said at the beginning of this, it's like what the hell is a handball anymore? Nobody really knows. And actually, Rich put up with a really good comment then, which is, and I'm surprised nobody's made more of this. Really, we talked about it in our WhatsApp group very briefly. Um, I think it was Robbie who mentioned it, and 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 Rich has just highlighted it there. You know, there was that awful decision for Fulham in that Spurs game, and 24 hours later they changed the rules. Now, to me, I don't see how you can be changing rules midway through a season, even when it is something as bad as this, because it it affects the integrity of the competition in my mind. It's like imagine, I think I'm sure it was Robbie who said, like, imagine if Fulham go down like by one point or something, and that that penalty against Spurs that should have or the goal that should have stood that costs them their league position. And it's like, I think if you if you acknowledge that a rule is wrong, I think you've got to wait until the end of the season before you change it because there's there's teams that have had it to their advantage and disadvantage and others that are not going to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it just it irritates me that we're still in a position now where we have just no idea what's going on. And, and VAR, But then, actually, when we come to think about it, are we really surprised that VAR is not working in decisions that are fundamentally subjective? It doesn't really matter. VAR can't help and categorically define right or wrong with a subjective answer because all that's happening is it's either the referee on the pitch in real time is making the judgment call or it's somebody in Stockley Park with the benefit of 100 replays is making a judgment call. It's still somebody's opinion and it's capable of getting it wrong. Um, and here we are again. We are what, like now two seasons into this and we're still having the same conversations. It drives me mad. Uh, anyway, rant over about VAR. Every single week we have a VAR rant. Um, what? Uh, I don't think I had anything else to talk about about the game. Did you? I don't think there's any other incidents, were there? We talked about the players. We talked about the handballs. We talked about the ridiculous goal that's taken over Matt Lawton's goal of the season. 
Um, I didn't really think there was anything else to chat about. Did you? Can you remember any other incidents, guys? No, I thought the same as Rich. Like the second half, where you're watching it, you're nervous. But Hope made a really good save later. He's left the first few minutes of the second half. But after that, Calvert Lewin a couple of dives from him. Apart from that, they never got into our box really. So yeah, it's quite yeah. quite a couple yeah. uh, into the game. It wouldn't have been full second half, and that was good for us. Do you not get a little bit frustrated? I do a little bit, and this is a typical Burnley fan. But when I see performances like we saw against Everton at the weekend, there's the there's the really annoying fan in me that goes, "Oh man, why can't you play like that every week? Like, why do we have to watch like the dross that you you turned up against, like West Brom at home and Fulham at home? Like, why? There's definitely I don't know if it's just an inconsistent thing or whether it's a it's a decision that Deitch makes to pull in these performances. It's strategy, or is it? I generally just think that's why they play for us and they don't play for a bit better teams. Because that's a really consi- good you know, point. We, you know, you're talking about Wood. How on, on Saturday, he looked a million dollars and then other times he, he looks like he should be playing like in amateur leagues. You know, <laughs> because... Sorry, I'm being harsh again now. I've, I've got to be nice to Chris. Uh, but you, like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But do you get one coming from? So no, like, I do. It's you a know, really West, good point. Like Westwood against West Brom, he could pass the ball anywhere near a Burnley player. And then on Saturday, they had a fantastic game. So, I, like I said, I think that's why they play for us. And I think that it is very frustrating because you see us play like we did against Everton, against Palace, against Leicester. And you think, bloody hell, you know, wish, wish, you know, why are we anywhere close to the bottom? Yeah. But then you've got performances like the second half against Fulham, against West Brom, you know, and some of the games that earlier on in the season. And what I would say about this season is, I genuinely think next season we still need players, but if this was a normal season where there's not as many games midweek, we would be higher than what we are. Yeah. I think you know this Everton game where we've had a week off and we put in a brilliant performance. I think is you know does make a massive difference, and especially when you've got a small squad. But yeah, I think it just comes down to I think Dice. I generally do think. Do you think Dice wanted us to play like that against West Brom second half? No, no, of course no. not. No, you know, so I'm like, do you think he's telling Matt, Lutt, you know, Westwood to pass the ball into touch near enough every time he gets it? So, again, I think that's just a play history, isn't it, Tom? You know, I think that's just, you've just got to sometimes grit your teeth and burr it and, yeah. you know, try, you know, try not do what I did in, in that West Brom game and throw me, and, you know, throw me phone against the wall and crack the back of it. Oh, yeah, that's, no, don't But do that's that. life, innit? Don't but do that's that. life being a Burnley fan. <laughs> Can you see that? Oh, my. That. Oh that's my from, god! That's from that West Brom game. That when Westwood passed it out to play. So cheers, Ashley. You owe me a new phone, yeah. pal. West Brom, you've got broke enough money. My phone. That's uh, wow. That is some damage to your phone as well. Is that rich? Um, yeah. No, that's honestly that is such a good point. It's like you say. You know, you get these players, and and even and not just the players, Dash as well. If you get these players who can put in those consistent performances every single week, and then you have. Um, uh, you know, Dash, a manager who's a tactical genius and gets it all right all the time. Um, you know, these players are worth 40, 50 million quid and, and Dash is, is, you know, going into Champions League players and we don't play for us anymore. Um, Tom, what's your view on this? Yeah, I think um, one thing you've got to think about as well is, you know, the start of the season, we were consistent. We were consistently rubbish every game. We were getting beat and we were getting <laughs> beat. So if you'd have said to someone after six or seven games, do you know what, we'll chuck one in three good performances in between now and the end of the season and we'll get enough points to stop up, you'd have been happy with that. So, uh, you know, I think it, it, I'd sooner that we had the, the potential to get these performances out of the players. And 
have to maybe have a bit of luck for and you need seven or eight of them to click to have a really good day, then yeah. to have a squad like yeah. West Brom or Sheffield United where they don't have the potential to pull these performances out. So yeah, yeah. It's like like Rich says, you know, we are where we are for a reason, but at least we have got the ability to do it, even if it is inconsistently. I see. Well said, boys. This is why I have you on the podcast. You both talk common sense. Um, Tom, three weeks off now, um, which is painful in terms of missing football. Um, maybe a nice welcome break in terms of trying to get back, re-engaged with the game, and we get closer and closer to getting fans back in the stadium. But from Burnley's perspective, do we? Are we? Is it a good thing or a not so good thing to have this three-week break? In that, on one sense it gives our players our injury riddled players a chance to get a break but on the flip side we are going into this break on quite a good run of form with some really good results behind us and we're going to lose out on that momentum yeah it's tricky because it's uh you just had that feeling of getting the seven point gap as well i think sometimes it it can feel better when you do that just before an international break because now we've got three weeks like you say to look at the table and, and look at that cushion uh, yeah. So it's quite a nice feeling to have done it. I think we've picked up that, that big three points at the right time. Um, I think first and foremost this season, the rest is going to be more important than the, the form. So as you say, we have put a good a good little run together. We have picked up a few results. But having said that, I think we have only won one of the last five or six, wherever it is. So while it's not been bad form, it's not exactly been scintillating, unstoppable form either. So I think the way we're going to improve the form and the way we're going to get consistency is by picking a consistent team because we know we haven't got the deepest squad. The first eleven's good, but if you're missing three or four players from it, it does take a big toll. So I think the most important thing for us is get some of the injured players back, make sure everyone's fighting fit, make sure we're not going to keep picking up little niggly injuries like the wingers, for example, have been doing. Mm. And if we can put the same eleven out for the next five, six games, if we can get a bit more rest into their legs then that's going to give us the best chance of of getting momentum and putting a run together so yeah for me the breaks the breaks a good thing and even though it is weird that we've been playing like Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday for weeks and then all of a sudden we're not playing for three weeks I don't know how to work that out but yeah it's probably come at a, a decent time for us as well I'd say overall yeah, I think I'm probably more in camp good thing than 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 a bad thing. Um, like you say, I think if we if we only had a couple of points between us and seventeenth, you might be more inclined to want to keep momentum going. Um, who's going then? Who's dropping out of the division? Rich, I think uh, West Brom and Sheffield United are goners. But who? I think it's um, feels like it's between Fulham and Newcastle at the moment. Maybe. Oh, why do you ask us this question? It's just an art. It's just a constant. <laughs> discussion. Listen, I've said Fulham would stay out all ages ago. I, I, I think you know I, <laughs> people's writing Fulham off just because they lost to Man City, which everybody does. No, I, I'm backing them. I still think Fulham will stay up. And basically, whoever if Fulham stay up, I come out with loads of credit. If they go down, I come out with zero credit, and I look like an <laughs> idiot. So I'm putting. I'm not. I'm firmly sitting on. I'm on that side of the fence. I'm actually, I think, for the first time, I'm going to start supporting Fulham because I think we're safe. So there, There's an argument, though, for me that... But um, I'm not that bothered. There's an argument for me that I think I would quite like Fulham to go down on the basis that I'm, I'm 
they've they've pulled out some really good form in the second half of the season and they're much better so they've improved loads as the season's gone on and there's there's a you know the the constant defeated Burnley fan in me worries that if they stay up next season they've got the ability to be much better aside um whereas if yeah that's that's true and it's, I suppose you you can always say that but um Obviously, it depends on our summer recruitment, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> exactly, and what happens. But um, at the end of the day, I think, say, if Newcastle go down, you could argue the other flip of the coin by saying, well, they could get a new manager in mm. and them being a bigger club and the potential to, you know, to you know to grow and, and everything, they, 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 they'd have more chance to stay up. Yeah, um, it's a tough one. I just think they look, but at this moment in time, with the injuries they've got, I think they look really poor. Yeah, I think they was lucky to get that point against Villa the other night, even though that that that, that was a terrible game. Oh, that was um, awful. But yeah, I I, I just check. So sorry, Fulham, you listen, think it's you think it's going to be Newcastle instead of Fulham? Yeah, you're not Brighton. Yeah, I think no, I think that 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 win for Brighton was massive, and I've always felt Brighton had a little bit too much. Of, you know, I think I always felt they would just get enough points. And I just watched Fulham. I think defence, I know they didn't, they conceded a few goals. I do think defensively they're decent. I've said before, I really like that Anderson and mm. I actually like like the way they, they play. And I think there's still quite a lot of games left. Um, you know, I still think they'll, they'll overcome Newcastle. Yeah. And listen, I think what I will say is, I think it's going to go to down to that last game of the season, Fulham versus Newcastle. <gasps> Can you imagine? Which would be exciting. That would be exciting. But, Tom, we were talking about this in our group chat before. If that does happen, surely they absolutely have to suspend this idea that the last game of the season, whoever's at home, they get to see one game. You cannot have um, Fulham against West Brom with relegation to whoever doesn't win that game or whatever it is. And... There'd be fans in that stadium, but only for one of those clubs. Surely they have to stop that. Yeah, I can imagine the uh, Newcastle players wilting under the pressure of uh, ten thousand vociferous Fulham fans. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that that might be a good point, but the point still stands. Or if it was the other way around, to be fair, yeah, Newcastle slightly better home support than Fulham. But yes, I do yeah. take your point. I think there's been talk, hasn't there? I don't know if this is going to happen yet, of either applying for special dispensation for the Premier League's penultimate game to have 10,000 fans in as well, or push it all back one weekend so that each team does get one game with the fans in. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I don't think anything's been confirmed yet, but it seems like that's what they want to do. And I think probably for the reason you suggest as much as anything else, if it does come down to Newcastle, uh, Fulham v Newcastle on the last day of the season and Fulham have got that home, the, the first kind of game of the season where you've really got a home advantage, then yeah. there'll yeah, they'll be a lot said about that. Having said that, though, I always think that's a bit of a cop-out. I mean, you know, if Newcastle don't want to get relegated, what they should probably try and do is get enough points so that it doesn't matter whether or not they get beat off Fulham on the last day of the season. And if they don't, you know, if they lose to Fulham with 10,000 Fulham fans in the ground, it won't be because they had home advantage on the last day. It will be because Newcastle are rubbish. So, yeah, you know, I, I have limited amount of sympathy for that viewpoint, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, having said that, I think you, you're probably right. I think uh, it'll be better for all if we all get the one game with uh, fans in, in the stadium. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, quick word from you then, Tom, before we go. You're still very much in camp. Fulham are going to go down and Brighton and Newcastle will survive. You you seen anything recently that might get Rich to sway your opinion? I do, they have improved a lot for them and like there was a lot of talk about them improving in between 
November and January when they didn't win a game. And I thought, well, I'm not really having that. But what they have done, they've actually turned decent performances into one two wins. Yeah. Um, which that's what the major thing they were lacking. And Brighton and Newcastle have been guilty of, well, Newcastle haven't been guilty of decent performances, but Brighton have been guilty of decent performances and not turning them into wins. What, what I think sets Newcastle apart from them too a little bit is that they're good at just picking up these little gritty 1-0 wins that you don't expect them to get similar to what we can. Um, I think they've, they've got players who are more, like, I think Wilson's a better striker than anything that Fulham or Brighton have got. I think Sam Maximam is a better winger than anything that those teams have got. So I think they're injured, aren't they, for a while? Yeah. They are. That's going to, yeah. But they're still grinding out. Yeah, it's a good point. But they're still grinding out results, you know, like like Mm. you said against Villa, they were rubbish. They go 1 0 down really late on, and yet they still still nick a point. I I do think it'll be tight, and I think I, I saw Fulham being dead and buried a lot, sort of, you know, a few weeks before the end of the season. And I think now that they have managed to pick up a few wins. I think they'll have more of a chance, but at this moment in time, I'm still I'm still leaning towards Fulham. I think they've re- they need to put at probably at least four wins on the board between now and the end of the season, and I'm not convinced they're capable of doing that in the yeah, same way that no, you have. Excellent. Well, I think. Can I ask a Ooh, question? Yes. Sorry, just one Go on. question. Going back to the argument about whether fans are going to be allowed back and whether they're going to push that penultimate game back, which would I think we play Liverpool in that penultimate game, and I'll ask both of you two. Would you, even if they say this, I think you're allowed, I don't think we'd be allowed 10,000 or Fulham would be because it's something like a quarter of the capacity. Oh, so, but anyway, okay. I, yeah. I might be wrong. So I think they've said 10,000 at certain games if they've got the capacity for it. So would you two rather go to a, a quarter full turf more with a, with a game to go or would you rather just wait till next season when it's packed out, full out, proper atmosphere? Oh my God, what a question. Do you know what? When you were asking the question and I was thinking in my head, in my head I was going, well, obviously a quarter packed turf more is better than nothing. But then as soon as you said the words, a jam-packed turf next season in that atmosphere, I feel like I'm leaning more towards waiting till next season. Just because that first time that we're all together again and the first time we score at turf and all of the home fans go crazy and I've got my dad next to me and all the people who I sit around, my family, you know, my football family who I've been season tickets with for years and we're all back up hugging and dancing and scoring a goal. You just, you can't replicate that feeling in any other part of your life. And I'm, I'm tempted. Do you know what? I think this is a, this is a proper lawyer answer is this, but if I could, if, if I could guarantee that, I would get that feeling at turf more even after going to a, a like a much smaller ground, that's much smaller um, filled ground, you know, now, then yes, I would say, well, I'll, I'll go to that one. But if it's just not going to be the same the second time around, because I've already broken lockdown, then I will wait. I think for me, uh, it, yeah, it won't be the same going to the quarter field to, for a, you know, a sort of pandemic game, but I'd quite like to, to be able to say I've done that as well. Like I went to quite a few non-league games in the summer when it was allowed. I went to, did a few away days or as close to an away day as you can get watching my local uh, team. But um, yeah, I, I'd quite like to to have the experience of having been to like uh, one of these pandemic games and sort of seeing what it's like just for the novelty and, and the story. But uh, it, won't, it certainly won't be the same, that's for sure. And, it, and 
even if we do get one game and there's a few people in, it's not mm. it's not mm. really going to feel like it's back. I don't think until next season when everyone's in. No. So where did that where did that question come from, Rich? Where 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 do you sit on? I this don't know. Debate? I was just I was just having a chat with me mate because obviously with the news that Wigan have been taken over yesterday. Obviously, as you know, me being from Wigan, it, you know, it's just want to say it's fan, you know it's fantastic news for the you know for the club and the and the fans. I'm genuinely glad. And more importantly, I'm glad I can go back to Wantonham to get battered every week again now, <laughs> which is good. So, no, so we were, we were just talking about, obviously, how special it will be to, you know, to go to that first game again, yeah. and especially with what's going on at Wigan. I, 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 I'm in the camp as I, I'd just rather wait till next season. I'd honestly think, yeah, I think I'd, I'm the same. I don't think, if it, obviously, with loyalty points, uh, given what George was saying and, oh God. and everything like let's that. Let's not open that I don't think worms. <laughs> let's, so let's say I've got the opportunity to go on that Liverpool game. I don't think I could turn it down. Yeah, because I don't I think agree. I could. But at the same time, I would just rather wait. In my opinion, I think it would feel so special going to that first yeah. game of next season in August and doing it properly. You know, for you know, for me personally, I, I never go to any friendly games because I'd rather just leave it so it feels more special for that yeah. first game of the season. Well, that's quite sad. No, it's, Again, it's good. Which, I like it. That's why we which like Which is a common game. theme of this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Me being sad. It's all right, um, Rich. We're still yeah, that's it. No, I just thought that was just in a really interesting point. Yeah, but, no, it is. I like um, it. I think... Matt, what I, think... I would say, I think if that... Sorry, just one more. I think if that Liverpool game really does mean something and we needed to pick up a result to yeah. guarantee us to stay up, I would rather us have fans. But I think the way it's going, I think we'll. I, I generally think we'll be safe by then. Yeah, we will be. We're safe so, now. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think the only thing that's probably swaying me to to going if we get the opportunity to go to a um, a pandemic game, um, is is and this is on the strict condition that my dad's with me as well, um, because yeah. having going to I've been going to football with my dad my entire life since I was a nine year old girl and it's I've seen because I don't live in the same town as my dad and he lives fifty miles away, um, for, for the vast majority of the past I've seen him three times in the last twelve months because of lockdown and. I, the one thing I've missed massively is is football with my dad on a Saturday afternoon. So I think if if that if if both me and my dad get the opportunity to go to Liverpool at home in a half filled stadium and just have that Saturday afternoon experience of a football game, I think I'd find that hard to turn down. I think my I think I would just want to spend that time with him. So I think that's probably the only way. Other than that, mm-hmm. I'm probably with you, which I probably wait till next season. Um, but that is a good talking point, listeners. Why don't you let us know what your views are? We'd be quite interested to open that debate on Twitter, please. Um, pose that same question that just Rich just asked, and let us know which option you would choose. You can tweet us at pod. At, no, you can't. You can tweet us at no near never. Uh, you can email us at podcast at no never dot net. And that is definitely all we have time for this week. We have um, filled a podcast with all wonderful things Merseyside, and we are celebrating the Clarets more than likely spending another season next year in the Premier League and all hail that. Um, my thanks as ever go to the whole of Team None and Ever, um, particularly my wonderful colleagues, Tom and Rich, for coming on this evening and sharing those views. To producer Matt for knitting all of this together and getting it out there to band Joyce for producing our theme music. But finally, to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. We will be back in three weeks um, where we will have a special preview show that Dave now will be on probably the Friday night before the weekend game. Um, and the rest of the panel will be back for the analysis show in three weeks' time. In the meantime, keep your eyes peeled to a very special podcast where Statman Dave, the, the headliner of the preview show, is going to be 
doing his first ever interview. He's stepping into the horse chair and he will be interviewing ex-Burnley player Paul Waller for an international break special. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Non and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.